Welcome to the No Neutral Moments Podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Well, hello there, and welcome to the No Neutral Moments podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and I will be your host on this episode of the No Neutral Moments podcast. I've been your host for 53 episodes, and uh, today we begin our 54th episode. I want to continue to say thank you to all of you who have been tuning in to the podcast. Thank you for the word of mouth and emails and social media that have been spreading the audience, and we would continue to um, ask for your help as we continue to try to grow this brand of the No Neutral Moments podcast. Some of you might be saying, well, it would be more helpful to grow this brand of the No Neutral Moments podcast if you would finally get out of this transformational challenge that uh, teaching that is starting to look like a sermon series. We are in part five, but we will finish it up today of this entire transformational challenge. And I, I hope you will remember that the purpose of this is to help you to see in your own life and in your business and your business environment where you have influence that leadership really has to be something very holistic when we're dealing with individuals and people. I would still continue to assert to you that most of our leadership, and I am very guilty of missing this point for a vast portion of my career, but we spend a lot of time managing the human who is doing things rather than helping to grow the human being who eventually does great things. And and so I'm hoping to help us turn a corner to be able to see what I called an episode or two ago really the soulishness of our leadership and the soulishness of the people that we lead. And when we begin to lead and direct from that deeper perspective, I think it will return uh, greater rewards. I kind of just took a deep dive right into this thing, so I hope you're still with me. But but let me give you one example, and then we're going to dive into part five. The reason I believe that so many books have been written talking about the big picture, uh, talking about, as Simon Sinek has talked about in his recent book, The Infinite Game, the just cause or the big purpose. Uh, what is our purpose? What are we driving towards? The reason I think we see a new generation of people, young people especially, uh, who we make fun of, wanting something at work to be more, uh, to give them more life is because they are looking for a connection to the soul of who they are, and they're not just looking for what they can do, but they want something to be involved in their being. That's why it's so important for us to pay attention uh, to these five core needs we have talked about. I hope you'll go back and, and listen to previous episodes, if this is your first episode, to listen to these five core need issues. But it's so important that we pay attention to the complete person down to the soul. And I, when I use that phrase, I'm, I'm not just um, using it for people who claim a particular type of religion. It, it might be helpful for you to think of the 
the inside of the person, the, the person that makes them who they are. It's the place where your inner voice resides. It's the place where your motivation or lack of motivation comes from. We have to lead down to the depths of that in people or we'll really never uh, see the performance out of people in our organizations that we would hope to see. So let me move on. And uh, as we talked about in the last episode, we're sort of this this journey where we realize every single person we lead uh, has five core needs. Again, my great friend, Dr. Kathy Cook, and all of her work and Celebrate Kids, and uh, so indebted to her. But realizing that all of our partners, team members, employees, family members, all do life looking for answers to those five core needs. I'm not going to take the time to review those. But we also uh, talked last week about what I called sort of the orientation cycle or the 30 to 90 days. It could be a little bit longer. It can be a little bit less. When people in our organizations go through orientation, we talk about our mission. We talk about our vision. We talk about our values as a company. It's where you hear things like, we're a company of great ethics, whatever that means. We love our customers. We love our people. We hear all these words. The reason that our employees, partners, and team members believe us is because they have no other reason to, they had no reason to, to not believe us that we, when we say we're a, a company about people, we mean that we really like the fact that you come to work and we're going to pay you and show you how much we appreciate your work. They hear you're actually concerned about me down to the core of who I am because that's how, what, how, it's how we all hear people when they tell us that they're all about people. Eventually, if we're really not about the development of the entire person from the soul out, it proves to be untrue. We're somewhat clear about expectations in the early days. Orientation is where we probably communicate the best we ever communicate, and that usually lasts for anywhere from 30 to 90 days. And then I talk to you about how people go into this performance mode. It's rewards-based. It's not development-based. In other words, people come to work. They do their job. They expect you to pay them. They get a little bit of bonus. They, they get something in their 401k. Uh, they get stock options, whatever it might be. But eventually, uh, people get into this place where your expectations as a leader oftentimes don't match what you're seeing in the performance of the people around you. And then you get into this doom loop of performance and then expectations that don't meet performance. And if you don't get out of this loop, what we do is we repeat orientation motivation, and that starts this whole doom loop. In other words, we feel like people aren't performing, so we have a quarterly meeting. We rah-rah people. We tell them what we're all about. People shake hands. People say, that's great. Thanks for the cookie cake or whatever it is you do in the meeting. But they go back, and they really just sort of get back into their usual loop of wondering really what you want as a leader. Because expectations at this particular point, when we're talking about a transformation challenge in the office place, these these changes towards greatness, these changes toward to, to excellence are so small that it's often difficult to make these changes because it requires so much work. Uh, also, this sort of doom loop of performance versus expectations versus the orientation motivation speech we give again and again. This is the realm where, where we have to begin to unpack what people are not saying. Uh, as Drucker said, uh, what isn't being said is the most important. And if we as leaders are not 
allowing this sixth sense to uh, connect us to what people aren't saying, then we'll miss it. So let's move on. How do, you, how do you move out of this doom loop and how do you move into a transformational challenge? And when I was teaching this particular uh, uh, series of teachings in a church setting, uh, the little difference was people go through very difficult times in their lives. They, they gather perspective about the fact that God might be doing something bigger. And then they get into this stage in life where they have to wait and they begin to do certain things in their lives. And oftentimes they drop out and that's not going to make a lot of sense to you right now. But where we are in this teaching is most of us in our organizations stay in that doom loop of orientation perspective, followed by performance, followed by a break between expectations and performance. That's usually followed by another motivational orientation speech with cookies and cakes and coffee. Tell everybody we like them, rah, 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 this is who we are. And we never make the move really past this tipping point into what will take us to next level performance, this transformation into performance. And, and so you, you kind of have to imagine a line being drawn in the proverbial sand and if you're going to be the person or the organization that moves into elite performance, then I'm going to tell you this next step, which I think really leads to next level performance, is one of the most difficult steps you will take. It is harder oftentimes than opening the business and all the things you went through to open the business because when we start things and when we begin things that are new to us, our growth often happens rapidly. We have amazing growth because we're motivated. We're starting something new. We're doing something new. But when the plateau arrives, to to get past the plateau takes very, very small adjustments. In the early days, you made sweeping changes. You were doing something brand new. You were really just excited about what you were doing. And growth happened at times exponentially. Now you're to a point where you're typically well into the history of your company, well into the history of what you're doing, and to make the move from being just about as good as everybody else to being elite in the field, the adjustments are very, very small. If you'll remember, I think I used the, the example because I, I'm in this place in my life where I'm sort of enjoying the game of golf. I gave you this example and if I didn't, then here it is again. If I did, here it is again. Many people who take up the game of golf, uh, you know, if they really want to take it seriously, they may go and take their old set of clubs. They'll go to the golf course or to the driving range, and they'll hit the ball around a little bit, decide to start playing the game. They'll start playing with some friends, and then they start deciding they, they, they're getting better. They really like the game. And now they decide maybe it's time for me to take lessons, which for a lot of people is a huge step. It's kind of like in the early days of the company where you're buying tapes and you're buying videos, you're downloading podcasts, you're energized about becoming even better at what you do. And the same thing happens in this development of a golf game. And and so you, you begin to focus on your game. And then here's what happens. Over 90%, actually the number's probably closer to 94% of people who take up the game of golf and take it seriously, at best, will be shooting scores in the low 90s or mid 80s. And, and that's playing pretty good golf 
around a course. You could just about play anywhere. Also, about 150% of all golfers lie about their score and lie about their handicap because they don't count all their strokes and all these. Okay, that's another thing. But anyways, what you find out is to go from that level of just being able to enjoy the game to go to a place where you're scoring, quote unquote, in a really competitive sense is not a matter of leaps and bounds. It's a matter of very, very small adjustments. A matter of, as a matter of fact, a golfer who has gotten his or her game down into the 80s, when they decide to take another lesson, the adjustments that their coach is going to make come down to sometimes where you place a finger on the golf club. It could come down to an inch or less that you move away from the ball or towards the ball. It it literally comes down to fractions of movements in order to take a score to the place where you're just getting around a golf course to where you are actually competing at an elite level. And an elite level in the game of golf means certain things related to a handicap that quite frankly in the world... 94% of the people never get to, and we're not even, listen folks, before I change gears here, we're not even talking about the player who plays in the PGA or the LPGA, the Ladies Professional Golf Association. That's a whole nother level. And so when you get to that level of elite, think about this in terms of your company. When you get to the place where you're a Fortune 500 or you're a Fortune 1000, when you're one of the best producers in your industry, or you long to be one of the best producers in your industry, everyone around you, think about this in this golf sense. When you go to a golf tournament, a PGA golf tournament, all of these golfers are elite. And so the difference between the one that wins, because they're all going to shoot in the 60s and 70s, which may not mean anything to any of you, but they are, they are, all these golfers would smoke any of us. But the differences are tiny in the adjustments they make. Now, I've labored over that long point just to help you to see what I'm taking you into in this final part on part five is the hardest part of advancing into this elite nature where you want to be and where your company wants to be. That's why so many of us don't do it. That's why we get stuck in this doom loop of orientation motivational speeches where we think we're connecting with people rather than connecting at a really deeper perspective in their lives. This is the organizational tipping point of small, small improvements that will yield exponential results. They will lend themselves to results that are even more impactful than the results you thought you were getting in the early stages. So we are making a move into me just telling you what I think are some key issues we have to pay attention to if we're going to move into this soulish place of leadership that leads us into this category of the elite. So let me just tell you what I think this next level performance requirements are if you're going to move out of this doom loop of orientation motivation. The first thing is something we talked about in a previous podcast, and that is an attention, a deep attention and fighting for and wrestling over connected communication. You have probably, if you've listened to this podcast, heard me, you, you heard me teach about this issue of connected communication. And when I say connected communication, I mean, it, it, I, I hearken back to a book that not many people are familiar that uh, John Maxwell wrote because it wasn't kind of in the leadership title of books he wrote. 
but he wrote a book entitled Everybody Communicates, Not Everybody Connects. In other words, just about everybody can talk and say things, but that doesn't mean people are connecting. Think about it this way. Many of us have been to an event, we've listened to a preacher, we've listened to a speaker, and we know the difference, or, or, or a professor at college, or a teacher in high school. We all know deep down inside of us what it's like to listen to someone and feel like they're just talking to us or feel like they understand us. We know in our gut what it feels like to be connected to in communication. And that is what we have to fight for when we are leaders in organizations trying to lead people. We have to fight for connection. And that is very, very hard. The reason there was connection when people first come to work for you is because they have a belief that they can trust that you want to connect to them. But oftentimes, because we don't fight for connected to communication, the distance between what they used to think and what they now think is huge because we quit working on connected communication. I have seen this over and over and over again when I ask organizations about their meeting schedules and the time that they spend with employees. And if I've heard this once, I've heard it a thousand times, we do not have time to spend in meetings. And and the reality is because you don't schedule your meetings well. You don't have good agendas for your meeting, lessons I have learned the hard way, and you're not working hard on what it means to connect. Let me remind you of some things about connected communication. And and the first thing is just really quite simply, connected communication is always working on delivering perspective. You're, You're always trying to help people to see the bigger picture, the smaller picture, and you're always trying to address the unsaid. One of the most important things you can strive for in your communication and your company is that you begin to communicate and you begin to speak and you begin to write about the things that when they hear you, they think, wow, how come they knew I was thinking that? And that's because you and your leadership team are beginning to under, uh, uncover the unsaid. Connective communication always answers the why questions. It fills in the blanks that otherwise would be left out by, by the fearful imagination of people. We cannot afford to have questions unanswered. And I'm not telling you these things because I mastered these things and always practiced them. I'm telling you these things because I learned from some hard knocks how important this connected communication is. It pulls team members back from a sense of isolation. It pulls them back into the big picture or the just cause of what it is of what it is you're after as an organization. And it has to occur all the time. It has to occur repeatedly. There's so many more things, but I, I, I can't say it enough in what's already going to be a longer podcast than usual that connected communication takes effort. If you're married, you know that the way you communicated when you were dating is different than the way you communicate when you get older. You learn how to communicate to each other. You learn how the other person listens. And so you as an organizational leader have to press in to connected communication. You have to work on it. You have to 
adjust it. You have to be disciplined about it. And in that connected communication comes the second thing about next level performance, and that is constantly reminding people about the greater cause. And I'm going to put in this the strategy of what you're trying to accomplish. And you must convey the cause and the strategy separate from just making money. Now, I, I've lost count how many times I've asked leaders in organizations, tell me why you do what you do without using the word revenue, without using the, the word income or profit, whatever words you want to use. And what you find out is we, we absolutely just think in those terms and, and don't realize how bad it is when we communicate in those terms. Because most of the people who work in your environment know that you're about making money because they want to get paid by you because of what they do for you. That's why if we do not press into the deeper part of the people who work with us and for us into a greater cause that they're investing their lives in, then everything will be about money. And that does not encourage people to greater growth and smaller changes that are very, very hard to make. So you've got to connect in your communication You have to secondly communicate cause and strategy beyond revenue and income. Thirdly, you as an organizational leader have to be deeply committed to the personal growth of the people under your care. And by that personal growth, I mean from the inside out. Are you helping them to be better spouses? Are you helping them to be healthier people in their physical well-being? And, and, And this... Many people say, yes, we we have this requirement. Very few people have what I would call the gym bag rule. I remember years ago, an organization that was uh, asking me to go to work for them had a gym bag rule. And and this was a sales organization. You had to travel quite a bit. And and the gym bag rule was very simple. It said, when you travel, you have to log in to us where you work out, how long you work out. They wanted to keep track of your workouts. I think about this this statement to you because many people say to me, well, you know, uh, this kind of investment in people is not what we're about. Well, it better be what you're about. I mean, we have to develop people in their security, identity, belonging, purpose, competence. We have to develop people in every area of their life. We have to help develop them in their family, in their physical fitness from the inside all the way to the outside. If we are not deeply invested in the people who have, remember this, given their lives voluntarily to us. And I know there's a, most of you disagree with me that your employees are not volunteers. Yes, they are. All they have to do is not show up and decide they're going to go volunteer their services to somebody else who's going to pay them because they believe they're going to invest in them. You have to invest in the holistic person. And then the last thing, after you work through connected communication, You communicate a great cause, a great strategy, where you're headed in addition to and even outside of simply revenue. When you begin to display a great commitment to the individual personal growth of employees in all areas of their lives, then you move down to this issue of making sure the objectives are very, very clear. Where are we all headed and what are the expectations? And really all that I've just talked to you about is very simply this. Every single employee should be on a personal improvement plan. And many of you who are listening to this podcast, you know what I mean, that when you have an employee who is not doing the job, this is how things happen. 
This goes back to that doom loop. There's a difference between expectations and performance. And then we sit down and try to have a motivational speech, but we never press down into the depths of what the clear objectives are for each and every employee. And we never spend time putting every single employee on a personal improvement plan. Think about this. Every single employee and every single team member should have a personal improvement plan that covers everything in their lives, from their body, their soul, their spirit, their mind, everything about them. So we communicate to them how much we are invested in their lives. And I'm just going to throw that down as kind of a gauntlet. Every single employee, not the ones who you're trying to put on a performance improvement plan so you can have paperwork in order before you fire them. Every employee, all the way up to the top executive, should have a performance improvement plan in place that people are aware of that takes that, that covers every area of life. When these things are in place, this transformation begins to occur and you begin to see people individually grow. You begin to see them change and you begin to see them take initiative and perform. And the last thing that happens in this, if you will continue to do this, is the final thing that you have to do in all these processes that I've talked about is you have to have a commitment to something I just call the churn. You have to have a commitment to churn on this all the time. Let me say it a different way. If you're not churning and thinking through your processes and thinking through your communication and thinking through your cause and thinking through your commitment to personal growth, if you're not churning on the adequacy of the products you offer and the things you're doing, let me put it even more intensely. If you are not churning and assuming that you are going to lose the game you're in, if you are not churning and assuming that your competition is going to swallow you up tomorrow, if you are not churning and thinking through changing the whole thing, and I'm not saying you should change the whole thing, but you should be churning to that degree, then you will eventually get beat. In other words, you have to keep turning it over. You have to keep thinking about it in your mind. And you have to have a team around you who is willing to look at it and say, this isn't any good. we got to get better. This isn't as good. And I hear people say, well, we do a pretty good job. And that's usually an excuse to say, I don't want to have to redo anything. But the transformation of a company doesn't start because you can do the human resources orientation. The transformation of the people in your company doesn't occur whenever you get into this performance doom loop where all it's, it's all about rewards and expectations and performance don't seem to line up and so you do another motivational speech. The transformation in all of this, and I'm telling you, at the heart of nearly every single book that has been written, whether it's Good to Great, whether it's Seven Habits, whatever the book might be, the transformation to elite performance is not about products. The transformation to elite performance is all about the soulishness of the people we work with. It's all about the soulishness of communication. It's all about the soulishness of a larger cause and strategy. It's all about the soulishness to the commitment to amazing growth among individuals. It's all about getting deep inside and clarifying objectives that then lead us to very small degrees of growth and change that yield exponential performance results, followed by, and I'll finish with this comment, followed by the fact that we are constantly reviewing, constantly revising, and churning on these processes 
just like a golfer is constantly practicing, a football player is constantly practicing, a basketball player is practicing, a ballet dancer is constantly churning on their craft. It's why someone who plays in a symphony doesn't just learn their scales and now they're ready. They keep practicing. They keep working on it. Because when it becomes soulish to you, it gets down to the very, 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 very small things you can change that come from deep inside of you that then lead to amazing exponential growth. Well, thanks for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to uh, kicking off uh, the next podcast with you, which I think I'm going to just press into this issue of what it means to be designed, called, and gifted for life, but don't hold me to that. Who knows what might happen in the next week. I hope you're thriving in the midst of everything we're all going through. And uh, God bless you. And remember, there is no such thing as a neutral moment. <laughs>